Beloved Orangewood, if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to Genesis chapter 39. If not, you'll find that text listed for you in the bulletin. As we continue our sermon series on the life of Joseph, Joseph, that we find here at the end of this incredible book of Genesis. Unbelievable story. Twists and turns. Highs and lows. Just probably like your life story. But the beauty of this, we see God. We see God in every page, every twist, every turn. Just like our lives, if we look close enough, of a God who loves us, a God who rescues us, a God who is for Joseph, and a God who is for you and me. All right, this Mother's Day, we got to start off in a minute, right? Is there anything like mom's presence, especially when you're a child? You know, there's something about a mom that can do something that no one else can. They have this power to bring comfort. They have this power to just empower you by being with them. Think of a little kid who just wants to be with mom. And if mom, are you going with me? Mom, are you going to be there? And if mom is there, oh, everything is okay. In the early service, I had the privilege of baptizing three boys. And as the littlest one was being baptized, I took him out of mom's arms. And he wasn't too happy about that. Because there's no place like being in the presence of mom, especially as a child. I remember being in my mom's presence once. We were, we were uh, uh, at our cottage in upstate New York. We spent a lot of our summers there. Very, very rustic. Uh, and it was on one of the Finger Lakes, one of the smaller Finger Lakes. But still, it was 11 miles long and a mile across. And the storms that could roll through there, uh, they, they were huge. I mean, again, maybe it was because we were in such an old little cottage. Or, or maybe it was that the thunder rolling down off the water. I don't know. But I remember kind of like some of these Florida thunderstorms we can have. I remember being a kid. I remember being afraid. I mean, the thunder that was, uh, that was booming and the lightning was flashing was, was so great that I was kind of panicking right there in my own little cottage. I remember my mom taking me by the hand and, and doing what a good godly woman would do, leading me into a side room. And, and there we knelt down and there we prayed together. She turned me to the source of all comfort and all hope. And as she prayed, she prayed a prayer like this. God, would you come? Would you come with your presence? Would you come and would you give us comfort and peace? God, come and bring us your presence. And I heard those words as a little kid and my fear went away and it turned to excitement because God was showing up with presence. And I really was excited that he was going to give me maybe the things I really long for. And, and so when my mom said, amen, I mean, I perked her up and said, mom, when can I open the presents? Oh, no, no. That's a different kind of presence. It's God's presence. Well, there's power and comfort in the presence of mom. And oh my goodness, is there power and comfort in the presence of God? Last week, we began the journey with Joseph. And what a journey it is to begin. Uh, We see in Joseph's story, starting in Genesis 37, that Joseph comes from a dysfunctional family. And by the way, this is God's family. This is like the chosen one, the patriarchs. He's, he's from that line. And we saw last week that such really, really good news that, that dysfunction doesn't disqualify. And if you're here and you're dysfunctional and you're here and you're broken, here's the great news that God wants to start with. You don't, you're not disqualified. 
You're not disqualified from his love. You're not disqualified from his plan. You're not disqualified that God couldn't use you. Dysfunction doesn't disqualify. And was there dysfunction in Joseph's life? Oh my goodness. His father who looked at him as a favored son. His father who showed him a favored son by giving him a coat of many colors. And his brothers who hated him to the point of death. Well, at least slavery. The dysfunction led to the point of Joseph being sold. But it says this about Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. And even though he was hated, and even though he was sold, and even though he was on his way to Egypt and into slavery, the Lord was with him. And the Lord was going to Egypt too. And you got to hear that no matter what you go through. God, Emmanuel, wants to say to us, I go with you. I go before you. I will hem you in from behind the Lord was with Joseph. And, and the God is such a God that he could do this. What, what his brothers meant for evil, and they meant it for evil. They wanted to rid themselves of this favored son. They wanted to rid themselves of this tattletale. They wanted to rid themselves of Joseph. And they meant it for evil. But God had a greater plan. And even though they meant it for evil, God meant it for good. Did you hear that? Whatever's happening in your life and what is unfolding around you, even if there's evil intentionally being done to you, our God is so good, so powerful, so in control that he has a plan meant for our good. And the Lord was with Joseph. We got to see this reality as we read this. Even when God is with us, it doesn't exempt us from trials. Even when God is with us, it doesn't mean that we're not going to go through the junk of life. Even when God is with us, there's hardship, there's sorrow. There's tears, there's betrayal, there's temptation. There's so much, but God is with us. You know, the original hearing audience of this story, the Israelites who are hearing this story by Moses as they're, as they're carrying Joseph's bones from Egypt to the promised land, they knew that God was with them. They knew it. They saw a pillar of, of cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night. And every day they got up and ate this stuff that appeared on the ground called manna. They knew that God was with them too. Even when they were will, wandering in the wilderness, even when things looked really bleak, God was with them. And if you have given your life to Christ, God is with you and he never leave you nor forsake you. Okay. We're going to read Genesis 39, but let me say, those of you biblical scholars say, no, wait a minute. We were in 37 last week. What happened to 38? You're trying to pull a fast one on us. Read Genesis 38. Crazy story. Don't go buy a, a, one of those little paperback novels at the bookstore. Go read Genesis 38 about Judah and his daughter-in-law Tamar. And see how messed up and dysfunctional God's people can be. It's interesting that God gives us the story of Judah and Tamar in the midst of Joseph. Why? Because he's going to show us sexual impurity in Judah. He's going to show us a sign of purity with Joseph. Last intro. It's kind of like a uh, disclaimer. This passage is incredible. In many ways, we could just read this story and glean so much. But I have to confess to you that this is one of the harder ones for me. Because this story, it could so, so quickly become a moralistic story of be like Joseph. Joseph's a godly man. Be more like him. We see, God has something so much more for us as we hear this story. Because even as you hear this story, many of you are going to start to feel like, oh, nuts. I'm not like Joseph. I'm disqualified. I could never be like that. 
This story is going to lead us to the gospel, like every story in the Bible. It's not about you trying harder. It's not about you doing better. It's about God being with you, God empowering you, and God loving you through all the trials of life. I've asked Christy Gambrell, our women's ministry director, to come and to read God's word for us. Thank you, mom-to-be Christy. Thank you for reading God's word. Genesis 39. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him an overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her or to be with her. But one day, when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was there in the house, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought a Hebrew among us to laugh at us. He came in to me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid up his garment by her until his master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us came in to to me to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me, his anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge, because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Christy. Let's pray together. Father God, what incredible grace do you give to each one of us when you proclaim that you are Emmanuel, a God that is with us? God, your word says where two or more are gathered in your name, there you are in our midst. So God, what a joy it is to be in your very presence. And because of that reality and for your glory and for the beauty of your church, will you and you alone be the one who speaks to us through the preaching of your word? 
God, would you give us ears to hear your voice, your voice tell this story? Would you, would you give us minds to understand what this story means for us? What this story reveals about you and how this story points to Jesus? God, we ask that you would give us hearts, hearts that would embrace your love, embrace your gospel, embrace your truth. That God, for the hearts of ours that are cold because of sin or, or dead because of unbelief, that you would come and you'd love us so deeply and so well that there wouldn't be one here who is able to leave here not knowing that they're loved by the God of the universe. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would so powerfully work among us that when we walk out of here, we would walk empowered by the gospel to walk in a manner worthy of your name, the name that you share with us, the name that is above every name, the name that Jesus, that every knee will bow and confess to. And we pray all this in his holy and matchless name. Amen. If you want to follow along with me, you'll find an outline in your bulletin. And the thing that you see when you look at Genesis 39 is it, it begins and ends. It's just kind of bracketed with the phrase that the Lord was with Joseph. And so if there's anything that God wants to weave into your heart and mind as we start is this, is that the Lord was with him and he's going to go through some highs and lows and what a story that is going to be told. But don't for, think for a moment that he was alone. Don't think for a moment that you're alone. Don't think there for a moment that if you are in Christ Jesus, that the Lord is not with you. The Lord was with Joseph. And because of that reality, he became a successful man. It says in verse two, the Lord was with Joseph and he became successful. What was he successful as? A slave. <laughs> Don't miss that thing. It's amazing. It says the Lord was with Joseph and he was successful. And oh, by the way, he was successful as a servant in the house of an Egyptian named Potiphar. It tells us something about success, doesn't it? It tells us that maybe we look at success differently and maybe we gauge it in a whole different way. But because the God was with him, the Lord was with him, he was with, uh, he was successful. And it actually brackets that starts in two, then 23, it will say this, the Lord was with him, Joseph. And whatever he did, the Lord made him succeed. Where was he when that verse was said? In prison. <laughs> so here's what God is saying to us is that, that God, Emmanuel, a God with us is going to help us succeed even when we're enslaved in Egypt or imprisoned in Egypt, that success is honoring God and his success in God's eyes might be different than ours. I mean, the success of Joseph was so complete that, that Potiphar would put everything into his hands. And it said that, that Potiphar saw, this is really interesting. Potiphar saw that the Lord was with Joseph. And it says in the text that Potiphar knew because the Lord was with Joseph, the Lord was causing everything to succeed. And what I really find intriguing, what the commentators find is really intriguing, is when Potiphar talks about Joseph's God, he says he saw that Yahweh was with him. This is a loaded word. He didn't say what we think he would say, that he saw that Adonai, the kind of a, a God in general terms, was with him. He saw a God of a relationship God. He saw a covenant God. He saw a personal God. He saw a God who completely changed his life inside and out. He saw Yahweh. He, he saw God in Joseph's 
life when Joseph, who had been sold by his brothers in Egypt, yet he had the aroma of God. Yet there was something about his way. And even Potiphar, don't know anything about his faith, but you know that he's Egyptian. He didn't grow up hearing about Yahweh. They had multiple gods. But he said, that God is with you. And that God is the reason for your success. Even as a slave, even in prison. Let's just stop and say, where are you? Are you in school? Are you a mom? Are you a single mom? Are you in the workforce? Where are you? And what does success look like? And here's the, the beauty of God saying, I'm with you. And success isn't tied to what the world says is success. But because God was with him, he was successful. I want you to hear that over and over again. God being with you is our hope. Emmanuel for what God would call success. It helps him do this. Helping Joseph know what was his. Because God was with Joseph. Because Joseph was walking with him. Joseph knew what was his. And he knew what wasn't his. And what wasn't his. Well, it says in this story that everything that Potiphar owned, he put into Joseph's hands. That there was nothing that Joseph didn't kind of rule over. He was, he was a mighty man. Uh, is there anybody here who's a Doubt and Abbey fan? Doubt and Abbey fans, if you know that, this is Carson. This is Carson in the nth degree. I mean, if you know him, he is the butler of the house. I mean, everything kind of passes through his hands and passes through his care. As a matter of fact, he is, he is Potiphar's personal man. So much so that here's what Potiphar had to worry about. What to eat. And what wine went with what to eat. Does this not like, oh God, give me a Joseph, you know? I mean, can you imagine that you could put your affairs in someone else's hands that God was with so much so that everything was succeeding that I had to wonder about is, man, what, what am I going to eat tonight? I mean, do I want fish or steak and what, what kind of wine do we want? Or, or what are we wearing? Oh, this is, this was Joseph. Yet there was one thing that wasn't in his hands. One, it was Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife was not given and trusted to him. And yet everything was. And so what had happened to Potiphar's wife? Well, she noticed Joseph. What did the text say about him? The dude was good looking. He, he, he was powerful. He was successful, even as a slave. He was handsome. He was buff. He had it all going. And, and Potiphar's wife, who, by the way, isn't even given the dignity of a name. All she's known as is Potiphar's wife. Sees him and says, woo, whoo, want to get me some of that? It's the only thing I don't have. Let me go and see and pursue Joseph. And let me keep pursuing Joseph. And keep pursuing Joseph. And let me be a brazen hussy that will not beat around the bush, but literally say over and over again, come to bed with me. Come to bed with me. And no matter what, Joseph knew that the Lord had not given her to him. Joseph knew what was his and what was not. And he did not. He said, no, I'm not going to do it. I got to tell you, this blows me away. I put myself in Joseph's sandals. And I think that a typical response would have given yourself permission a hundred times over. Can you hear this? Well, I, I, I didn't get myself to Egypt. I've been betrayed by my own family. I didn't ask for this. I said no once. I'm alone. I'm, I'm lonely. God would understand. God knows that I'm a man and I've said no once or twice or four or five times. He gets it. 
I mean, it's incredible to me the number of times he said, no, 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 no. Why? Because the Lord was with Joseph, helping him know what was his and what wasn't. And Potiphar's wife, you're not mine. And I'm not doing this because God hasn't given you to me. You know, we, we live in a culture that's absolutely crazy. It's gone crazy. And I hate the fact that I'm that old guy now that says what the old guy said 20 years ago when I wasn't so young, I wasn't so old. And they say, you won't believe how bad things are, you know? And if you're a young person, I promise you, you'll say this as well. But they really are crazy right now. I was at a town, uh, a town hall meeting for our school parents uh, this last week, and they were discussing um, how our kids are tempted and how parents have no idea about social media anymore. Social media is so fast and so developing, and parents are so like not hip on that stuff that we don't even know what to pray against, right? I mean, we don't even know what's going on there. I mean, Snapchat, I mean, forget just emails. Those are so far gone. And Technology is so quickly leading our kids in a crazy way. Someone said, I've been here uh, for 19 years and I can't believe the change in technology. And I said, you know, 19 years ago, I was a youth pastor in Orangewood. And 19 years ago, I look at a parent and say to them, you are crazy if you have cable TV in your kid's room. Cable TV. Think what they have in their hand with their iPhone." And what they have, and not just our kids, but all of us. We live in a crazy time. And God is telling us still, walk with me. I am with you. And do not take that which is not yours to take. Especially when it comes to uncovering nakedness. I mean, this is, that, that is something that God gifts to a man and woman who are united in marriage, who vowed before God and vowed before one another. It's not to be shared with anybody else. And God's really serious about it. And you may want to say, well, it's so passe. And that's so yesterday's old, old, uh, old fogey kind of thinking. But this is God's thinking. And God says, don't take what is not yours. And every voyage on the internet and every uncovering of nakedness that has not been given to you is sinful. You may say, well, I didn't mean to happen. It popped up or I, I didn't mean to go there. Or, you know, what does it really matter? We're, we're in love and we love each other. So why not uh, take what is not really given, given to me? This is incredible about Joseph. I'm telling you is that, that he had this intimacy. He walked with God in such a way that he would not take that which is not his. And he honored God with that reality. Whew. Let me just ask, I mean, can you believe this guy? This happened over and over and over again. He didn't just say no once. This is, this is a continued in-your-face brazen hussy in the midst of his brokenness and despair. And I don't think it's just a moral behavior, be like Joseph. I think the answer is the reality is that he walked with God. He had this, he knew that the Lord was with him. He trusted that what God would provide him would be enough. Do you? Are you trusting that God's providing you would be enough? Are you, you leaning into him? The second thing is this. We see that he would, the Lord was with Joseph to the point where keeping Joseph from dishonoring God. <laughs> Joseph, in this situation, here's his response. Oh my goodness. How could I do this and dishonor God. I mean, there is a man who is walking so close to God. There is a man who knows that in his walk with God, there's a holy God and he has a fear and a reverence for him. 
He didn't say, how can I do this and dishonor Potiphar? How can I do this and dishonor my family? He didn't say, how can I do this? Because I might lose everything. And although I'm a slave, at least I'm on the top of the slave chain. He said, how can I do this and dishonor God? You say, why? Because he, he walked with God to the point where he knew that, that God was holy. This was reading through Isaiah and Isaiah 6. I think it was this morning. Uh, where you're reminded of Isaiah standing and being ushered into the throne room of God and he sees God and just the, 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 the splendor of his robe fills the temple. And he's saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The God who is, he is beautiful. And the God who is, he is without sin. And the God who is, he is holy. And the more you see him and the more you know that, the more you realize that we're broken and we're sinful. What happened to Isaiah. He said that he saw God's glory. He said, whoa, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among people of unclean lips. And God will take a coal from the throne and touch his lips and purify him. And here's the point. If you walk with God and you see him for who he is and you see the beauty of his holiness and the reality, you say, God, let me live in a way in love with you, believing in you, that how could I do this and dishonor God? This is probably how, how uh, David realized that when he messed up, that he was sinning and dishonoring God. I love the fact that God gave us David. Listen, he gave us Joseph and he gave us David. And let me tell you something. They both love God. It says about David, you ready for this? He had, a, he had a heart after God. It says about David that he would fight giants in God's name. It says about David that he would, he would write hymns and songs singing God's praises. This is a guy, David loved God. He loved God, not just a little, he loved God a lot. But David in his flesh, I mean, he was still a lustful man. And when he saw Bathsheba and she was bathing herself from his roof, he could see her and oh my gosh, she looked good. And he wanted that. And although others said, when he said, oh, who's that? Who's that really good looking girl down there with no clothes on? Oh, that's Uriah's wife. In other words, it's not yours. Don't take it. Oh, it's Uriah's wife. Well, why don't you bring her to me? And he satisfied his lust and was with Bathsheba and she conceived. So what does he do? He covers it up. And how does he cover it up? He, he brings Uriah off the field that's fighting his battles and he gets him drunk and wants him to go lay with his wife so he, he wouldn't take the rap for her being pregnant. But Uriah was a more noble man, drunk, than David was sober. And he wouldn't do it. And David thought, oh, crud. I guess I better kill him. Listen, this is God. This is God's man. This is, this is a God after, a man after God's own heart who's able to commit adultery, who's able to commit murder to cover it up. And when finally Nathan, the prophet, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was thumping him on in the chest with a story and to tell him, by the way, you are that man. And David realizes his sin. Read Psalm 51. Psalm 51 will be David's repentance. But he says something really bizarre almost in, Psalm, in, in verse 4. He says, to you and to you, O Lord, to you alone, O Lord, I have sinned. You might say, well, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, man, you, you sinned against Bathsheba, man. 
I mean, you saw her. She wasn't yours to take. You were the king of Israel. You summoned her. You seduced her. Man, you sinned against Bathsheba. And how about, how about Uriah? He's serving you. He's putting his life on the line. And you basically murder him by your own hand to cover up your own sin. How can you say you sinned against God and God alone? He certainly sinned against Bathsheba. He certainly sinned against Uriah. But in relation to the holiness of God, he realized my first and foremost sin is against you. How could I do this and dishonor God's name? My holy God that I sing songs to and psalms to. I love the reality that God's given us both. Joseph and David both love God. One man, look at he, 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 Joseph, man, he walked so closely that he was not willing to sin here and dishonor God. But David was. I just know that we're going to be in the spectrum of that chain our whole lives. Remember, dysfunction doesn't disqualify. Last thing is we see that is keeping Joseph from dishonoring God makes me think of the fact, this reality of Paul says it in Romans 13, 14. Make no provision for the flesh. In Christian, in Christian terms, we are told by nature, by nature, our natural flesh is sinful and dead in sins and trespasses. And when we come to Christ, we are given a new nature. We're made new. That's why Paul would say, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. God has made you new in Christ Jesus by his grace if you have faith in him. But Paul will say, now, make no provision for the flesh. Is basically saying this, is that, that flesh that yearns, that, that flesh that lusts, don't provide anything that could help feed it. I just can't get over Joseph. I mean, it seems to me, if I am in Egypt and in his situation, wouldn't it be okay to flirt with her for a little while? I mean, wouldn't Joseph just want to just kind of feel good that someone is noticing him? Wouldn't Joseph kind of want to go sit next to that fire for a little while? He probably said, oh, it's no big deal. He probably said, it's kind of like a Facebook relationship. It's not really going anywhere. He probably would say, you know, this is, this is something I could, I could just flirt with online, but I really don't mean anything. But I'm not going to cross the line. I know where I'm not going to cross the line. Let me go and flirt with it. How many of us are flirting with the flesh? Whether that's what we look at on the internet, that's what we're contacting with others or, or relationships in our, in our offices that are not our spouses or relationship in our school. I mean, make no provision for the flesh because it'll lead you astray and walk with God in a way saying, how can I do this and dishonor God? Lastly, because the Lord was with Joseph, he empowered Joseph to do the right thing. I love the fact that poor Joseph in chapter 37 and chapter 39, he loses his cloak twice. He loses that cloak of multicolors that his brothers hated him for. It was stripped of him. And now he loses his cloak yet again. Maybe God's saying, I'm going to strip you of everything and robe you myself and your identity will be me. But even Joseph, he did the right thing. And scripture says, do the right thing even when it hurts. How does God reward Joseph? Joseph, Yahoo, you said no. You said no a hundred times. Joseph, you took that 2 Timothy 2.22 by heart. You fled from sexual immorality. You got out of there, Joseph. You turned and ran, man. That's awesome, Joseph. Let me reward you. You're going to go to prison. 
You're going to be falsely accused and you're going to be sent to prison. But good news, when you're there, you'll be promoted. Everybody's going to love you in prison. Oh my goodness, seriously? Somehow we think that there's going to be this tit for tat kind of God. And sometimes preachers will tell us that bad things are happening to you because you don't have enough faith. Bad things are happening to you because you don't give enough. If you would only shape up, he's just so ready to bless you. Look at Joseph. He walked with God. He trusted God. He did the right thing. He honored God. And here's what he got. Prison. And sent out. You see, doing the right thing, even when it hurts. The only way you do that is you walk by faith and you trust that God is just. And he will bring justice one day. I love what the text says about Potiphar. He heard the story. And by the way, Potiphar's wife, she pursues and gets spurned. What's what Shakespeare's quote? There's nothing like a, there's no wrath like a spurned woman. Is that it? So what she do? She, she gathers, she gathers the servants. She gathers the servants to tell her story and she throws her husband under the bus. He brought this Hebrew in to laugh at us. And then he, she tells her wife, this, this servant that you brought in, he came to laugh at me and he wanted to, he wanted to be with me, but I scream really loud. And what does Potiphar do? He says he became angry, but you know what the text doesn't say? Who did he become angry with? Who's he angry with? This is a capital offense. You got to understand, he should be, Joseph, if he did this, would have been stoned in this society. But he is not. He is not killed, nor is he sent to a regular state penitentiary. He goes to the place where the king's servants mess up a little bit. I just have to think that Potiphar knew that the story didn't hold weight. And God was with Joseph. And God's hand was on Joseph. And even though it hurt, Joseph was going to do the right thing. How is it with us? Do we do the right thing even when it's not politically correct? Do we do the right thing even if it might hurt us socially or it might hurt us vocationally? Do we do the right thing? And God is saying, walk with me. Walk with me with such intimacy. Walk with me with such closeness. I love you and I'm for you. I'm going to provide for you all that you need. And do the right thing. And trust me. It won't mean that you'll have a fancier car. It won't mean there won't be some cancer in your life or some suffering in your life. It won't mean that your kids won't be a mess. It won't mean that your marriage won't go through some hard spots and maybe even end. It won't. But I'm going to never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll always, always, always be with you. And God says that eight, Romans 8.28 is real. That only God could take all the things in our lives, even the things that people bring into our lives for evil, or we bring into our lives for evil. Only God can say, and I can make them all work together for good. Because what the brothers meant for evil, God meant for good. And an amazing thing is God had a plan for Joseph. God's going to save the world through Joseph. He's going to save his own brothers through Joseph, but he's got to go to prison first. He's got to meet this cupbearer we're going to hear about next week. And, and he's got to interpret some dreams. And he's got to have that Joseph scale from top to bottom to be finally lifted up 
to be the right-hand man of the most powerful country to save literally the world. But he had to do the right thing, even when it hurts. It was all part of God's crazy plan and included Potiphar's wife. How is it with you? If you're his, God means it for good. Walk with him. God is with you. We can't leave Joseph without thinking of a greater Joseph, Jesus. Jesus too did the right thing. Jesus too was tempted in every way, scripture says, and yet without sin. And what they do with Jesus, tempted in every way, yet without sin, and yet he was crucified and pierced for our transgressions, broken because of our iniquities. He understands injustice. And through that injustice, he sets us free. And he makes all things whole. What are you going with through? The Lord is with you if you're his. The Lord is with you and he'll never leave you and nor will he ever forsake you. And only he has the power to make your story turn to good. Let us pray. Father, thanks for giving us this incredible story of Joseph. It's just, it's, it's incredible to realize that you know, he, he went from a favored son to a slave, but he knew that you were with him, even in Egypt. And God, you're with your people in the wilderness and you're with your people now. And I believe that that's what you're promising to each one of us, no matter what we're going through. You don't promise to take away the storms. You don't promise to heal the cancer. You don't promise to mend the marriages. You don't promise to give us a spouse. You don't promise to give us a child. You don't promise to give us a better job. You promise to be with us. What more can we ask for? The presence of a mother for a frayed child brings such peace and joy and comfort. But the presence of our God through whatever we go through That is our living hope. May we walk by faith, trusting what others mean for evil and even the evil of our own hearts. Only you can turn for good when we turn to Jesus in the gospel. May we do so for your glory, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.